Welcome to the Construction Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Sanchez. I'm so excited to have our guest, Brandy Little, on this uh, on this episode today. Brandy is the CEO of Brand DNA. So I want you to just talk a little bit about what is Brand DNA. Sure. Um, Brand DNA is sort of the evolution of my business. I've been um, in the design and construction industry since like 95. So it's it's been a hot minute, right? And I've worn a lot of different hats over the course of that time and have branched out on my own in 2011. And basically what I started to recognize and working with all the different firms I've worked with all the years, no matter the discipline, no matter the size, that we are truly in a business that's about people. That is about, um, you know, the experience that we deliver for our clients. And, And while we all have to have a baseline technical proficiency, it's really the quality of the people, how they engage with the clients, the relationships they build that distinguishes uh, one firm from the other. And so that's really the sort of baseline of brand DNA advisors, that your brand, the, the sort of genetic makeup of your brand is really in its people. Um, so from that perspective, I work with firms and helping them figure out what does it take to have a good place where people want to work and that inspires them to deliver exceptional client experiences and really make a difference in the communities they serve. So it, just in that, I've got so many questions because there, <laughs> um, there's a lot happening there for you personally, and then also for what you do inside of Brand DNA. I want to understand for Brandy, for you personally, what was the leap like from going from you were with a company, you were you know working for somebody, and now you took the leap to work for yourself. Talk to me about the transition and what roadblocks were in your way and how did you have to coach yourself? Because you're a certified coach and we need coaching too. Just because we can coach doesn't mean that we don't need coaching from somebody else. And oftentimes we somehow can coach ourselves out of it. So talk to me about what that transition was like for Brandy. Sure. Um, Honestly, uh, my hand was forced a little bit. Uh, I got laid off from the job I'd been at for three and a half years, which turned out to be a blessing in disguise. I was working for a company that had two very different leaders who had two very different definitions of success. So I was struggling because I could make one principal happy and the other one wouldn't be. So I was really a rock in a hard place. I got laid off at which time I picked up a few consulting opportunities with companies I'd worked with in the past, but it was really through the encouragement of some of my mentors, um, you know, which I've been so fortunate to have some brilliant people just there to always be my cheerleader, but essentially they're the ones that said, you know, I think you should give it a go. And at that point, I made the decision, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm not just going to be someone who puts my shingle out till the next good thing comes along. Like if I'm going to do this, I'm going to commit and I'm really going to do this because I think as consultants, like, you know, it takes time to build up that credibility, to gain the trust and and to build your reputation. Um, And your clients come to rely on you. So they don't, you know, I've seen those people who put the shingle out for a couple of years and then they find a job, they go back to a job, that job ends, they put their shingle out again. And it's really hard. Like at that point, you sort of ruin your credibility. So anyways, um, that was like how I got started. Um, 
And then your second part of the question was, I guess, about like sort of how do you rally yourself? It was that really? Yeah, it's a leap. I mean, there's probably, you know, several listeners that will listen to this going, yeah, I've always wanted to go out on my own. I just don't know how people get stuck in the how of how to do it. Right. You and I both know that you it's intentional and you just go and you figure out the how as you go, because that's just how it works. You know, it just took something from inside of you to be able to proceed as you needed to, to make a successful business work for yourself, which thousands of listeners want, want, want to know that magic answer. Right. And I don't know if there is one, but what is your wisdom? Yeah, there's no magic answer. I think it's an evolution, right? What you have to come to terms with is you can't be all things to all people. So that's mm-hmm. like one of the things. And and so once you can start to recognize that, hone your focus and really find out like, what is the space that I'm so passionate about and really good at? Because it doesn't matter. Like when I'm in that space, they will come, you know, yes. kind of build it and they will come. And they will and come. They, yeah. Yeah. And just like, you know, what we teach uh, principles of bigger firms about it's still the same idea, right? Like you can't do everything and you have to recognize, get to the point, you know, and and this is where um, you kind of have to spend some money to make money when you're getting your starts because you can't do everything. And it's being self-employed is definitely um, not for everyone. It takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of structure and, you know, I kind of, I'm great at it sometimes and other times I struggle, um, but you bring the right people in around you to fill the gaps that you need. Yeah. Um, so it is definitely, but I think the key is to really f- narrow your focus to what you're really good at because you can't be all things to all people. When you do that, you're going to be chasing your tail. You're going to be taking on things that aren't really, um, that you can't really do efficiently or um, that you're just not going to make money on. So, you know, those are critical sort of decision points when you can say no to the clients that aren't a good fit for you. Yeah. What would you say the best process is to figure out that thin slice of where a company is supposed to be? Because I think it's common sometimes that people do want to be able to serve everybody, right? The more merrier type of thing. But what process do you think is best to get people to that place where this is where they excel, this is where they're extraordinary, and this is where they make the most impact? Well, I think this is where coaching or a facilitator is really valuable because it's kind of like getting someone that's a third party that's not attached, not attached to the outcomes, not attached to the answers to just help um lead the conversation, guide the conversation to bring that information out of people. Um, And I was thinking about it earlier because you had given me sort of some homework for this podcast, right? And you had Mm -hmm. talked about like, what is my philosophy for coaching? Yeah. And I really think that fundamentally it's that every voice matters, no matter how Even if it's a less popular one, it's a minority voice, every voice matters because when you're really taking into consideration, you know, every perspective that is on your team, that is within your firm, it helps you to kind of make better decisions because the more information you have, the more you're going to have choice about the decisions you're making. Um, so I know that kind of veers away from that seems like counterintuitive to talk about narrowing your focus, right? right? But it is about really understanding the swirl of everything to be able then to say, okay, what are the common themes here? 
Um, how do we really figure out what are we good at? It's by sort of hearing all the voices and perspectives within the organization. So, you know, in a way, that's kind of like the heart of what we, when we talk about DEI, and I actually have been for a while now using the term that I think you've probably heard now. It's not just DEI, but there's a B on the end. It's diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Like that should be the aim of what we're trying to do in coaching and as firm leaders. And that the whole every voice matters is the belonging part, right? It the DNA is everybody that's involved and being able to hear what they think matters, what what you know, what they don't like, what they do like, what we could keep, what we can't keep, but just really taking that entire DNA of a company and then from a leadership standpoint, going, okay, here's here's the story, right? Here's what everybody is saying about our company. How do what do we do next? What do we execute to make sure that we're making sure that people know that we hear their voice? Understanding that perhaps just because we've heard everybody's voice, that doesn't mean that we can, to your point, be everything to everybody, even inside of our own company. Right. Right. But still taking a look at the full picture and going, okay, this is everybody, we have everybody's voice. We've got all of the stuff that makes up our company. And now we can take a look at it and go, here's where we're at. How do we want, how do we want to proceed going forward to make sure that we're operating at our most effective and impactful, you know, making the most impact on the clients we serve, internal and external. Right, for sure. And I think, you know, sometimes you're going to find out in hearing those unpopular voices that there's a challenge or something you just didn't even know. And it could be just, you know, someone's disconnected or, you know, missing information they need that makes them be that outlier. So there's an opportunity to address it. So again, I think the idea is that inclusion and, and hearing that whole kit, like information is power, right? Right. It allows you to realize all the sort of potential choices that are available. Yeah, absolutely. Brandy, when you're working with teams, is there, is there like a common theme of teams um, as to why they may not be operating at full capacity? Well, <laughs> I think every situation is unique, right? But but often, like, I would say one of the things with teams is the it's really difficult to have healthy conflict um, because oh, okay. we all have a different definition of conflict. We have different sort of family dynamics and different things that frame how we deal with conflict. Yeah. And so, you know, when you get diverse people together, you know, a lot of times uh, I've seen probably more than not that a lot of people are just afraid of conflict. So they won't speak up about something that isn't working or a challenge they see in a, you know, in a, an approach because they're afraid of conflict. They're conflict diverse. I, I see that probably more than um, the opposite end where sometimes you're in work environments that it's inflamed. People are very open and, and, not constructive about conflict. So finding that balance because conflict is really critical. It's almost like reframing our what we think of conflict because it kind of has this negative connotation, right? But if yeah. we just think of conflict as two things not, you know, being in a different position, it it creates more of an opportunity to say, how can we use that? Like it's really about being able, again, it's like, how do we find the common ground? You know, when you, when you're able to listen constructively and, and have healthy conflict, it helps you find, you know, 
the best of both worlds. I yeah. Guess I'm trying to say. Yeah. That's interesting that you bring that one up out of all of them. Cause I mean, I think that that's basically communication, which I think right. is one of the biggest reasons why teams seem to um, be challenged and have struggle. But um, I personally went through that at a, you know, company that I was with years ago, there was um, conflict in pretty much every, you know, interaction with another leader within our company. And what I had to come to realize for myself was that it was absolutely ego-based. So when you can truly be a mature leader, understanding that all everybody's watching all of the time mm-hmm. and really set that ego aside and have it just be exactly what you said. We're not seeing things the same right now and it is okay, but somewhere in here, there's going to be a lesson and there's going to be, we're going to get on the other side of it. We may not both get what we want, but we're not going to arm wrestle about it. We're not going to you know, play that game all day long. We're not going to continue that because that's just not going to get us anywhere. One of us is going to win and then the other one's going to be pissed off, right? right? But finding that common ground and being able to come up with a solution that doesn't work for me because I want to be right, right? <laughs> and so do you, but it works for the, the entire, for the company. It's not about me and it's not about you. It's for what's best for the company. And I, you know, like I I had to, I had to go through that and I had some maturing to do. And I came out on the other side of that. And it was such a great lesson because when you can hang that ego up at the door, some powerful things start to happen and you can really start to make movement within a team and within the company. Yeah, for sure. And I love that you say that because I think when you're really talking about at the company level, then, you know, sort of what the, the guiding light is or kind of your roadmap is that mission and vision and values. Because those are sort of the objective measures by which you can say, okay, like you said, this isn't about you and your ego or me and my ego. But what if we agree to that who we are as a company? What's important to us? What's our stake in the ground? How have we defined the rules of the game? And that's really what your mission and vision and values are supposed to do for you. They're supposed to provide those parameters for what you do day to day and how you make the decisions and how you unite your team and, and recruit people. So, you know, those are really kind of so critical to having them defined and not just defined as words in a book that get put on the, you know, shelf, like it's really important that they're like mapped out into all the functions of everything you do as a business. Cause then that takes away you know, that subjective, like, well, my opinion's better because you unite behind what did we say on paper that we want to be as a company? When you're working with companies, do they, do a lot of companies truly have a vision and mission that they run by? Or is it just like you said, like something that they thought of one day and it's maybe on their wall? Yeah. I mean, I think in a lot of cases, and this is why the term culture is such a buzzword right now, right? Like, I think a lot of people are struggling to put a finger on it. What does that exactly mean? Everyone says we have a great culture. Um, I don't think there's very few companies that would say we, you know, we have a crappy culture. Like, I just don't. If they do say that, that's in a great space because there's, there's room for improvement and they have a chance to make it a thriving culture. Culture is no matter what, there's a culture in your home. There's a culture at your workplace. Culture is this, just the state of where we are. So good or bad, you have culture. 
Exactly. And you can either be an intentional and in designing it, which goes again back to saying, okay, how are we going to infuse our values through everything we do as a business? And that is it, the way your people show up every day, the way your people, um, you know, have a sense of psychological safety, have to be able to communicate and innovate and, you know, interact with each other, interact with your clients. That's your culture. It's the behaviors that are expressed every day. It's it's the things that are rewarded. It's, you know, it's, it's the bad behaviors that are left unchecked. That is your culture. So, you know, it's funny, again, I think there's this sort of idealistic view of what culture is, but culture is the day-to-day what shows up. Yeah. And that was, that was my question, really. Um, I think there's oftentimes companies will have this, like they'll do an event where we talk about what we want our culture to be like, or they'll do like some type of a training, right. That will, they'll start to set the culture on what they want it to look like and then forget that it's, it's about maintaining it and having it be sustainable so that people can truly internalize what the culture is and how they want it to be. I just am curious to know when, when you're working with companies, if you have that moment of like, this is what we're saying our culture is, how do you work with companies to carry that out? Um, you know, I think it, it's a couple of ways. One, it's, it's sitting down and having that breakdown. Okay, what does this really mean? Like when we say the word integrity, yeah. What are we talking about? Let's, let's, you know, so you kind of have to really get, get it. So everyone is operating with the same definition. Core values. That's kind of the, the starting point. Yeah. Core like value. what are, what are those? Yeah. What are the behaviors we want to reward? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, so I think a lot of it is really in that, having that deep dive, having that real clear vision um, and then, like I said, it's, it's breaking it down then. Okay. So what does integrity look like in, um, human resources? What does integrity look like in counting? What does it look like in service delivery in our project management? Um, so that's kind of where it starts, but then a lot of times it's just, people don't know what they don't know, you know, and, and some of the behaviors are either kind of autopilot because it's the way they've always done it or, you know, just, so I think that's the other piece of it, right? Is like just the other part, important part of designing an intentional culture is then saying, okay, what do our people need to actually live and breathe, you know, this vision we've created. So training, coaching, all those things are a critical part. Are we using the right tools and technology to support them in delivering that experience we want? So it's all like there to me, those are the two most critical pieces. It's sort of first sitting down and planning out what does it look like, you know, and what does it look like? Let's plan that and then let's program that into our day to day functions. Let's make sure people have the tools, the trainings, the system so that the what we're promising our clients is actually happening. Yeah, exactly. So that it can truly live itself out. Yeah. You know, and that's, I know that's kind of simplistic, but that's really, that's, that's the heart of it right there. Yeah. I mean, it's said really, than done. <laughs> well, it is for sure, but it is 
it is simplistic because if you say this is who you're going to be, then you take the necessary, as a company, as a leader, as whatever it is, then you take the necessary steps to have that truly live out because who we say we are as a company is exactly who we say we are to our clients as a company. And they'll feel if there's not that congruency, right? If, if I'm saying that this is who we are, they are, they're doing business with us because that's part of who we say we are. Right. Yeah. And they'll definitely feel it if, if, if our actions are not in alignment with that. So being able to just carry it out in its fullest and, um, it's work. It's definitely work. It's, it's, it's relationship, which we all know relationship in any shape or form takes work daily, every single moment and just carrying out. Um, is there, any so as a coach, you have all of these things that you can do and say and support other companies in doing what how what they need to do to be successful. Is there any one philosophy or practice or anything that you've implemented for yourself that has been impactful for you personally for your business? Hmm, that's an interesting question, and I don't know if I have an answer to that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess like my first reaction is that I'm such a big put your money where your mouth is. Um, Yeah, do what you say you're going to do. Yeah, that to me is like foundational to everything. And sometimes, again, you know, I have to check myself on that. Um, Honestly, uh, I have a mission and vision statement and values that I did in the beginning of my company. But now it's time to revisit that and really think, is this what I'm living? Is this the actual you know, reality of the business that I'm building. Um, So I don't know. It's just funny. I think that authenticity piece is huge. And sometimes you need an external partner to help you sort of check that. Yeah. And and I'm the same, right? Like I'm not immune to that. I'm not, you know, like you said, coaches need coaches. Psychologists need their own psychologist. It's like, you know, we're still human. Um, You know, I might have a few more tools in and tricks and things that I can do to keep myself in check, but I still need external support, just like most people. Everybody else. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Well, so you've been on this journey and I'm sure as you've gone through this journey of being on your own, um, in any company you, we shift and we kind of, you know, maybe change, not direction, but we just, um, we're able to thin slice better, uh, you know, what we do and what we focus on. And sometimes things just, um, change. And one thing that stays constant is why we do what we do. Mm. So just a final question for you is why do you do what you do? Great question. And honestly, um, so when I went through coaching school and you may recall this, cause I think we went through the same program, mm-hmm. um, but we had to develop our life purpose statement. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, you know, I did that in 2014, actually 2013 was when I did that. And I still remember it clear as day because it really still resonates with me. So the statement I came up with is I am the mountaineer that helps people uh, explore new heights to expand their panorama. And it really resonates with me for a couple of reasons. I'm a nature freak. I like being outdoors. I like being active, but really that I was put on this planet to help other people be able to see things from a new perspective Mm -hmm. that gives them the possibility. You know, it, it just creates all new possibility when you can see things from a different perspective. And so when I think about how that applies to the work I'm doing now, that's really, um, 
like we were talking about, knowledge is power. And I am passionate about having, we spend a lot of time at work, having people actually look forward to going to work and being a contribution to something bigger than themselves. Mm. Like work places should be fun. It should be a place where you want to be productive and give your best. So that really for me is how can I come in to help create those inspiring workplaces by helping people sort of see things and it and, you know, expand their panorama to, to make that happen. Yeah. I mean, everybody needs it at some point in time, right? That just kind of the a reset, if you will, um, and often because it's easy for people to get shuffled into the, just the, you know, mix of it all, the daily grind and being yeah. able to have somebody come in and go, did you look at it this way? Or did you know this? Or what if you tried this? And then it just opens up a whole new thought process for them and who, and then, and then anything is possible. Cause I think once they have a coach alongside of them, reminding them, cause they knew it at one point in time, reminding them like anything is possible, whatever you want to make out of this company, it's yours to make out of, right. Mm-hmm. Just having that reminder be right alongside of them. So the work that you do is magnificent. I'm inspired every time I get to chat with you. Um, it was such a pleasure to meet you in person, person at the SMPS event in LA, it was everything that we've done so far is far past long due. I feel like we should have been in contact a long time ago, but I've got to wrap it up. Uh, Where do people find you, Brandy? I have a website, which is branddnaadvisors.com. Of course, you can find me on LinkedIn and um, I don't know, you know, call me, (laughs) social media. I'm, I'm all over. Not so, good. Time, so. so glad to have you. It was a privilege. Uh, again, I just love that we share the same passion with each other. I'm so happy that we were able to connect and finally get this episode recorded. And, um, you know, I think we'll just continue this on out talking because you have some great insight and some great wisdom and some great experience. And uh, I just appreciate you. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Nicole, you know, yeah. great for the opportunity. And it's always fun to chat with like-minded people. So absolutely <laughs> have a good weekend and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds okay. good. Take care. Bye. Bye.